Welcome back, everyone, to another Jed and Gary wrestling podcast. We are here doing the All Out review. And yes, I said we. Gary is back. But before we start, we also do previews and reviews of all of everything AEW. Some outlandish prediction videos and podcasts of anything stupid me or Gary can think of. I was generally proud of the few things I uh, came up with, the one I just did for All Out. Thoroughly entertained myself. And on top of all that, we do anything else wrestling related there and then. But welcome back, Gary. Did you have a nice refreshing week off? Oh, absolutely. It's exactly what I needed. Uh, recharge the batteries, come back just in time for the AEW pay-per-view. Absolute perfect timing. Um, so, yeah, ready to get on with it and crack on. Thanks for taking the reins for the week. And, yeah, let's go for it. Ah, it's all right. You know me. I can talk for the world. But overall, Gary, um, I even actually personally asked you what you thought on the pay-per-view. And we haven't messaged much since anyway, which is good and bad. However, overall, how did you find the experience? I thought it lost a lot of momentum partway through the show. But we'll get into that when we get to where I'm on about. I think a lot of the audience will actually figure it out um, just because the crowd seemed to go from quite loud for 15% capacity to absolutely dead. <laughs> Energetic to zero. That's I found the exact same. And I did feel a bit of that uh, going down the line. And I gen- there's a few things I'll speak about of what I could think it possibly could be. The incident that we're going to mention to do with uh, Matt Hardy and Sammy. Um, the one thing I generally think that started all this in the casino barrel, you're probably thinking what I know. And the third was the commentary was just dreadful. But the only excuse, and the only thing, the only little lifeline I can give the company for the stuff that happened during things that made it feel a bit flat, a bit lackluster was probably the heat of uh, where it was. I saw a few tweets probably halfway through uh, the night where people would have saying like, not that many people's energetic. And there's a few matches I thought like went a bit dead stopped much quicker than I thought. And they said like the Florida heat was humendous and the humid for that moment in time in the air was probably dreadful. And you can probably tell there's like a few shots of some wrestlers and they were just dripping absolutely dripping in sweat, shining off. And in the tag team match where I spotted it the most, they just looked knackered and they were just running out of breath over anything they could do. I know that's part of the story they were playing off, but they did have a 30-minute match and they looked tired after five minutes. Yeah, which given the people that are involved is kind of strange. Um, It was. Yeah, because like, you know that they're all capable of running 30-minute matches with their eyes closed, and it's just a little bit disappointing. But again, they can't be blamed for that heat. No, no, if they have giant like um, air conditioning or even bigger fans that could control it, all the better. But they are in a stadium outside as such. Um, you could tell because during the battle row, the fireworks off for some baseball stadium behind it happened. But we'll get into it. We'll go into uh, the ins and outs 
nothing much we want to put in to do with the buy-in. The buy-ins are just like normal type of matches. But the two were Joe Ginelli versus Serpentico. I was very disappointed Serpentico wasn't in the Casino Battle Royale later. Reasons for it was on the review, Gary, if you didn't listen to it. I mentioned many, many times during the break, it looked like Serpentico was getting thrown out constantly in that stupid thing they were doing on Dynamite. So I wanted Serpentico to get thrown out five times at least in this Casino Barrel. So I was disappointed he was in the pre-show. Then the second one was Private Party versus Dark Order, who were John Silver and Alex Reynolds. And I have to say, they're getting better and better and better every time we're watching John Silver and Alex. So um, it was a very, very good match, ready for the buy-in. And it started off with what no one expected whatsoever. Dr. Britt Baker versus Big Swole, two for nail match, which was, as predicted, a cinematic match as such. Um, what, what were your thoughts on this, Gary? I'll, I'll bring this one out to you. I'll be totally honest with you. I didn't mind the match itself. It was kind of fun. But I do think that it would have been better placed if it was a little bit later on the card. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm happy and extremely ecstatic that they brought it off the buy-in and put it in the pay-per-view. I was extremely happy about that. But the way that they organised the card as such, um, it made like the start just a bit lacking as such because we knew Britt Baker's not 100%. They made it a cinematic match, so it was going to be up and down during it anyway. Uh, and they were like trying to hit two nails on the head. They tried to hit a pay-per-view with a cinematic match to start off with and put the women first as well. That's what I thought. I felt like it was a bit forced as such. I know we complain about um, time for the women, but the next match, which was outstanding, that we'll talk about in a second anyway, the Young Bucks and Dracula Express, this match would have been perfect after the Young Bucks match because yeah. it's a nice little from two contrasts because you want a full-on high adrenaline pumping match into something more relaxing ready for the casino bar real like teases yeah, it just, up it like pins it up yeah it's just to let the crowd calm down a little bit yes precisely. you know and a, it, a pay-per-view start should always pop it really should it should pop the crowd the crowd should start getting into your pay-per-view and young bucks and jurassic express would have done that perfectly because that match was that was one of the best matches on the card, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, will, we will get into it. Um, with Big Swall, she defeated Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, basically, she showed up at um, the dentistry office, Reba Rebel, put her in, they started hitting each other. Then Dr. Britt Baker looked like a horror person with blood all over one of her dentistry chairs and they started brawling in and out. There was one point where Britt Baker got the diploma over her head um, Reba got shoved into a, that's what I said, dumpster. That's very American, like a garbage bin. That's American as well. Never mind. Got shoved into a dumpster. Um, and then I think Baker injected herself with, I don't know what it's called, but it makes like a leg go. Novocaine, thank you, Gary. Makes her leg go sleepy and all limp. And then she gets basically put to sleep with the mask and woke up extremely quickly after she got beat, which was. Hilarious, a bit of a weak start. I generally thought there was not enough, I would say, meat on the bones as such with this match because we knew where it was going to be. But I'll just appreciate the time they got given. Um, not the best thing to start with it. Uh, you could have swapped it. I'm just happy the uh, Brits all back, but you can clearly tell she's still not 100%. And you're probably expecting this feud just to go on a bit longer, I guess. Yeah, I, I did say. 
a few weeks ago, I, I kind of suspected that Big Swall would win the first match. Yeah. Just because I thought that Britt Baker could probably take a, a loss, especially when she's not 100% and she's just coming back from this injury. I don't want Britt Baker to lose. That's a different matter, but it, it's happened and it's trying to make another star, isn't it? Because Britt Baker's already up there with the starriness and yeah, why not? Yeah, Big Swell's just the um, Austin Gunn of the women's division. She's extremely good in the crowd. She's really enthusiastic, but she's just not quite there yet as the wrestlers, what we need to be. Just give them both time and they'll be eventually there. So going on to another match, uh, this is the actual first one in the arena properly where the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express and God damn, this was what should have started. Phenomenal. They came out both as their ass hats as uh, what they've been playing on Dynamite. So what were your thoughts, uh, Gary, when you first saw them on Dynamite last week? And they were coming out through the heel tunnel, didn't want to do the normal entrance, and they were playing like total dickwads. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of old school Young Bucks. Um, sort of like New Japan version of the Young Bucks, but with a new twist. Yeah. I, I just really enjoy sort of the cockiness being turned up a little bit with them and the arrogance and the, I'm better than you anyway, so I should be beating you straight off sort of <laughs> attitude that they've got. Like, I prefer that version of the Young Bucks as opposed to like the fake Hardy Boys tribute act that has been happening or has been happening for years with them whenever they're a babyface team. Yeah. Yeah, so I just, I absolutely prefer the little bit of heelish nature to them, which I hope gets expanded on in the future weeks. I think it will. I think they're generally going to look down because um, I think the long-range story they're going for is they're going to be in this uber-aggressive mode, ready to go against FTR. So when we do have that match, it's even heightened as much because you've got the young bucks that want to not kill somebody, but absolutely destroy anyone in the path versus the FTR, the FTR, uh, FTR that are just going to be defending their titles and keeping themselves at top prestigious mode. And it just adds a bit more fuel to the fire when them two do meet in the end. But this match, it was a typical enlightenment of how good Jungle Boy is and will be in the future. And God damn, we all love Luchasaurus with his big kicks and his moon salts and being a dinosaur. Uh, great, great, great stuff, I thought. Uh, the story that they told in this match as well, where Jungle Boy just didn't didn't want to give up at all. And they had to bring out the big, big moves eventually. There was one little uh, BTE moment to do with the heart tag references where Nick replaced um, Luchasaurus and started getting his hand out to Jungle Boy, saying, tag me in, tag me in for the best heart tag in the whole world. And you developed with the Matt and Marco stunt, um, mirroring the... Kenny Omega, which I appreciated because I like stuff like that anyway. And it was just just top stuff. Um, they're putting across as well the BTE trigger really, really well uh, because that's what the new finisher is looking to be. Um, that finished Jungle Boy off after two big, big moves on him. Anyway, an extremely solid tag team, fast-paced, you would say AEW classic tag team match. Um, starting off the true matches of the pay-per-view, to be honest. And we all knew Young Bucks were going to win. Let's, let, 
but let's just be frank right there. But Jurassic Express put a valiant effort up and we just can't wait. And you can't wait, Gary, for Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy in 2021 to go through the forces and become either that tag team champions themselves or split off into the singles division and show them exactly what they can really do. Years down the line, they're both going to be spot on then too. Yeah, well, Luchasaurus is just going to be a star because he's a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's be fair here. You get any kids watching this show, then he's the guy that everyone's watching. And then you've got Jungle Boy as well, who is like, yeah, he's athletically something else, isn't he? It's, it's a perfect team, really. If you want to go singles route, you can. Um, I'd definitely have them have a tag title run. At yes. some point, maybe be the ones that take it off of the young books in the end, um, because the way I see it at the minute is it goes FTR, young books, and then someone else, and it might as well be Luchasaurus and Jungle Jack. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I absolutely adore them. I, I think the some of the best, most entertaining characters on the entire show, especially when Marco stunts out there giving it loudly, as they say, um, <laughs> north of the border, um, just mouthing off at everyone and everything. And, uh, uh, there was a part where Jim Ross were properly like, saying he hates this guy, and I actually felt it. I actually felt like Jim Ross just doesn't like him whatsoever, and I was like, Jesus, be kind on him. He's just there, like, out and about, acting his ass off, being a the cheese head is what he needs to be. But just going back to your previous point, Gary, uh, in relation to the tag team titles where you think they're going to go, just imagine if someone like Jurassic Express took it off FTI, though, down the line, and how funny that would be, because it's like they're not a, they are a serious tag team, but they're not as serious what FTR are looking for, because they're the proper knit and grit, probably best tag team in the world at this point in time, going to someone that's dressed like a dinosaur and a jungle boy gimmick. Um, and their styles of wrestling is completely different. It would be quite an interesting takeaway, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoyed that match, and I'm glad that we got that very, very early on. I think it would have been a very different set of expectations if that was a later on in the card. So now we go on to the Casino Battle Royale. Um, we had our guesses of who's going to win this, but uh, a few things that I'll pinpoint out anyway. Um, we all feel sorry. For Matt Sadell. Sadal, Sadal, Sadell. Sidal. 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 Okay, Matt Sadal. Sidal. But let's be honest. There's two ways to think of it this way. Yes, it was bloody hilarious watching it. But number two, if you were him, and I did feel sorry for him, having your debut moment as what a highlight reel is going to be for the rest of your career, I genuinely feel sorry for the guy. I'm very happy that he didn't get injured. And this goes on to my next person in this battle royale is Will Hobbs. Out of everybody, I was pleasantly surprised by this guy. The story they were telling in the Casino Battle Royale is basically the big guys are going to rule this match. And they were teasing it as well before the match with all the vignettes and uh, like promos people were doing. And Will Hobbs being one of them enhancement talents and from Dark in the company, he looks like he looked like an absolute monster in this match. He did really well, and he was the first one to check on Matt. Uh, a side note: I think there's too many mats in AEW now, um, but we'll get into that at a different time. 
Um, you had a few feuds, Santana and Ortiz, best friends were still living there. Brian Cage and Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen. Brian Cage wrapped Darby Allen in a body bag full of tacks and blind threw him outside the ring. Jesus, what a spot. And I'm glad Darby's all right because going at it blind with your head near the stairs takes some courage and takes some doing. So much appreciated from both of them too. Um, it was mental. Uh, then you had the big butcher versus Lad Torture. I think I popped to that bit the most. And Lad Torture and Eddie Kingston, the last two people. Eddie Kingston gets scared off a bloody snake. And Lad Torture goes for the one, two, three win because everyone else has gone out. So there is no one, two, three. Don't know why I said that. Good winner, expected winner. Overall, what are your thoughts, Gary? Perfect winner. Perfect winner. I like it. Yeah, absolutely the perfect winner for this. Especially the way it was done as well, because it keeps Eddie sort of able to say, look, I only lost because of the snake. But it's exactly what Jake always said. Yeah. I- I'm there. I'm your opponent. The second you start thinking about that snake, I'm there. I'm going to strike. I'll hit you with a DDT. Well, it's essentially what Lance Archer did. It was. I didn't like the spot necessarily because it's like they were uh, on the dynamite. They were saying who's the big tougher man. I understand that being scared of a snake is, but no, it wasn't needed. I generally think because Lance Archer is that monster, everybody dies. Throw him out because this battle royale is basically playing the first promo uh, vignette we saw Lance Archer in when he was outside one of my favourite cinematic matches that wasn't officially a cinematic match where he was throwing everybody outside that like ring in Darby Allen's backyard it was the first time we saw Lance Archer that's practically what this was I generally thought he should have put a bit more offence in to win the match but the winner yes I do agree with I would have liked somebody else because with Lance Archer winning this, this sort of played into my mind thinking, oh, I think Mox is 99% going to win it now. Because... Yeah, I'll be honest. It kind of made that thought go through my mind as well. I know I tweeted out last week, you know, get ready for MJF's ascension or something like that. And it's like, yeah, maybe not so much now, unless they're going to go full on like baby face with him and Jake. And yeah, genuinely, I don't want, to see that just yet until he goes up against Brian Cage I just I'm okay with him being the murder hawk monster heel sort of character who yeah sometimes gets the fans to cheer for him but that's not his business it's I'm gonna kill whoever's in front of me sort of business I'm right on the back of uh, Jake's back but yeah yeah precisely (laughs) um uh, the thing for me, ideally, this could have just been taken off the pay-per-view and put onto Dynamite probably this week because, one, that wouldn't ruin the main event. Two, that is a really exciting match for a TV match. Come on, it's about a real. Who doesn't yeah. like battle reals? And three, with Lance Archer winning it, you could have Mox or Lance Archer do something or even Jake just cutting a promo after the match saying you're next to die because Moxley did the reference in his match about dying as well that we'll get into um, but much appreciated I think it will spoil it if Lance Archer has his match against Moxley on TV Moxley's winning if Lance Archer versus Moxley at full gear you might see a title change more convincing title change and what did I say Gary before we created our podcast what was the first video I ever wanted to do with you? 
why should it be Lance Archer that wins the world title? Thank you. And we are doing that podcast sometime this month. So going on to the next match, probably... Oh, sorry, I didn't mention this bit. You know on Matt Sardell's slip? Yeah. Yeah. I should have said this, but that was my part when I thought everything was going to go downhill because there was a few sloppy moments in the barrier because of the heat, because of everything that was happening that went down and down and down into the next match, which is Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. So I'm just going to tell you straight, Matt Hardy hit his head directly on concrete during a spot on the stair lift. He looked like, I'll be deadly honest, for 60 seconds, pale as a ghost, and I generally thought, this guy is extremely injured. Or have we just seen another live death on TV? I generally, that went through my mind, I'll be honest. Um, and this is the part where things went extremely weird, a bit off, and the crowd definitely felt it. The commentators felt it from this moment on. And this is what made this pay-per-view. This pay-per-view is not dreadful. Let's get that into everybody's minds. It wasn't poor. It wasn't dreadful. It just was tainted by this moment, I genuinely believe. I thought this pay-per-view show was very good in parts. But it's this moment right now that made it feel extremely, extremely weird. But um, that moment happened. The doctors and, well, Aubrey Edwards put a sign up for the X. Doctors came over. They basically cleared Matt there and then. Uh, and then they started brawling, but Matt couldn't get up to his feet and he was wandering to one side and it was horrible to watch. They stopped the match. Then restarted the match whilst they were going to the stage. They climbed up some scaffolding and the worst fake knockoff Guevara to go into these like massive tables for the count of 10 to win the match. It just felt unnecessary to restart it because he literally legitimately hurt. It felt extremely unsafe. And I think it just felt extremely uncomfortable to be part of it. Yeah, I I genuinely felt quite creeped out by the fact that they'd restarted the match. Mm. Um, I I thought it it was a case of uh, stipulation getting in the way of what should be someone's health. It was. Um, And just because they'd said if Matt Hardy loses, he leaves AEW. I think that had a bearing on the fact that they had to restart and Matt had to finish it. And if Matt's saying, yeah, I can go, I can go, then I understand how it would happen. I just would have preferred they wrote him off for a few weeks, let him recover and then come back. Yeah. Um, because... I know that these loser leave to town matches everyone knows that they don't actually go anywhere unless there's a contract coming up and I can't see Matt Hardy's contract coming up what three months after he debuts <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with you um, because the issue you've got is Matt Hardy is one of these throughbred, never quit guys and they've been bred and a lot of sports people are like this let's, let's be honest uh, I'm a bit of a person to this because I'll try and go through an injury until literally I can't, can't anymore, yeah. physically unable to. 
Uh, it's just that adrenaline rush, the feeling for it. And being thoroughbred through these type of people, just the same. And I don't, I, feel, I don't know what his age is on top of my head without me researching it, but he doesn't need to do these spots, especially in 2020, when you don't have like a full set crowd. Um, I even said before that like, the move happened, I went, them tables are a bit too close to that. <laughs> oh, he just hit his head. Oh, he looks extremely hurt. Oh, Aubrey's putting the X up. Uh, and AW's a smart, smart company. They know that we know what the X means. Okay, when one of the referees gets that X up, yeah, we definitely know he's generally been hurt. He looks like he's generally been hurt. Just scrap the match. Just deal with the consequences later. I, yeah, I hey. generally thought Matt Hardy wasn't going to win anyway. I thought Sam was going to win, but uh, I think it would have been better. This feud has been a bit tainted from the beginning when you think about it. Uh, this feud just needs to die off now. They need to do something on Wednesday to apologize to people. Um, yes, Matt Hardy's been cleared from hospital, been cleared by the doctors. There's no concussion involved as such. Unless you believe his wife. Yeah, which I don't. I believe the <laughs> officials. Um, yeah. and they just need to apologize, everybody. Uh, they need to learn from this moment because it's really, when you think about it, the only time I can defend them when it's still poorly executed. It's the first time this has happened properly for this company. Um, I think Aubrey did the right thing. Uh, I'm unsure if Sammy got told to tell Aubrey to start counting, and that's when I started to feel uncomfortable because it's like you're pressurizing him now. Um, and then Sammy did the right thing. And I'll put my hands out for Sammy. If anyone didn't spot it because you were too worried watching it, Sammy helped Matt up when he got into his feet. And when he saw Matt was like fading, he got Matt to one of them pillars in Daly's uh, place to keep him like up steady, even though Matt was trying to pull his uh, like pants down. And then when they were trying to climb the scaffolding, Sammy was still helping him up. And if you looked a couple of times, he whispered in Matt's ear. And you, probably, you definitely know because of what's happened with Sammy and what's happened. He just wants to make sure everything goes flawlessly. He was definitely whispering to him, are you actually okay to do this? Something like that. So full yeah. hats off to him. Full hats off to Aubrey. Unsure about the doctor. Tony Khan, this is your decision. You should have called it off. Um, let's not see this happen again. Simple as that. Yeah, well, the safety of the performers has to come paramount. It's it, it's really disappointing that this happened. Like Especially when a month ago, he had that chair to his face. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like That could have caused concussion in itself. And then you've got this one that, Whilst they're saying he's completely clear, it's almost a miracle that he was. <laughs> Just a quick thought now, Gary, saying about that chair. I didn't, I didn't like the finish. And even if I watched that finish live and they were fully fit going up the scaffolding, I still wouldn't like that finish. I know it's a callback to like the stadium stampede stuff, but I think if Matt won by hitting Sammy with that chair that cut him, that's more of a statement. And that would have been yeah. easier and safer than Matt going up the scaffolding as well. So we I'll, need to... I'll be honest. Knowing the, what we know now, right, I would have absolutely, like, cried myself with laughter to sleep, right, if the spot that finished it was Sammy in the golf cart. <laughs> I yeah, appreciate so, that. Like, I, I well appreciated that. But if Sammy in the golf cart would have run over Matt Hardy, and it would have finished like that, just straight away. I would have been <laughs> well happy with that. That would have been brilliant. 
Yeah, yeah, totally agree, totally agree. So um, this led on to a women's championship match. Uh, Higo Shida versus Thunder Rosa. Uh, before I get Gary's thoughts, it was really good back and forth action um, necessarily. There was very comebacks from both people. There was one point where Shida got a chair out, teasing that she'll hit him, but not really. She put it out ready to do one of her moves where she jumps on it, hits Thunder. Thunder thought that's going to be a great idea. Does the same thing. Um, Thunder Rosa did the pendulum, swinging Shida's head into the turnbuckle. That was pretty good. Um, Death Valley Driver by... Um, Rosa looked top. Have I been signed out here? Gary, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you, man. Sorry, my um, Zoom decided, said he signed me out, but no, I'm here. Apologies about um, everyone in the listening to this right now. My system's playing on me, and it's just like my PC decides playing on me. So she hit Sheeta with the Death Alley driver. Looked lethal, that, to be honest. Then there was a few kickouts here and there, blah, 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 blah. Then Sheeta got the one, two, three. Basically, returned the title um, after a running knee. How did you feel about this match, Gary? Because I've got a few thoughts. I felt really bad they had to fall off the Hardy Guevara match. And I think that that played into a lot of people's thoughts on it. I also think that they did a fantastic job with what they had. And a fantastic advert for NWA and AAW, which is definitely needed. We've went into detail about the AAW women's division multiple times. Um, Yeah, so like, I really enjoyed this match. Like, really enjoyed it. I don't, just because they were telling this story of Thunder Rosa come, come here. She can go toe-to-toe with our champion. She can turn her into a pretzel. Like, no problem. Right? Sheeta will struggle to do the same thing to Thunder Rosa because she'll just keep using Lucha Libre to get out of it. And the story was the Clash of Styles. Yeah. Right? And the Clash of Styles clearly showed, right, despite the result that Thunder Rosa was a threat and that Lucha Libre was a threat to... Sheeda's way of wrestling and the sort of female strong style sort of thing that she's got going on and yeah it was by far my favourite women's match in AEW and uh, probably since Britt Baker got injured yeah so the, uh, the yeah yeah I, I can totally agree with you there this match was perfect it's not my favourite AEW match by a long shot I think um, Rio and neither Rose are winning that by me by far, and I really enjoyed. Yeah, that was a shooting. that was a long while ago now, though. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know um, that that's still going to be up there for me. However, um, whatever AEW need to do now, they need to give Thunder Rosa a good contract, and they need to get um, Sheena as well from Dynamite uh, getting a contract on because I thought the Sheena and Thunder match was better than this in its own individual right. Again because I thought of the heat and stuff and the moment because of Matt and Sammy of how I felt. But this was just a great story. And this is just now a template of where the women need to go. They've done that reset again. Let's get everything started. And outlandish prediction for you. Thunder Rose came out with a flag. Who else comes out with flags, Gary? Uh, are we going to put these three together, are we? Definitely. You need to. I think that'll be a really Diamante decent. Diamante and, and Ivelisse. 
Yes, it's what the Nightmare Collective should have been as a group, but them three, just badass three women cutting people down. It's what you need. It's what you need. And imagine... Yeah, and if Impact allow it, then calling them the Latin American Exchange would be perfect. Juicy. It's what we like. Juicy. Um, It absolutely is. (laughs) This led on to the Dark Order versus Matt Cardone and Scorpio Sky Natural Nightmares. Did you expect the result of the end, Gary? No, not really. Um, I, I, in fact, I definitely didn't. I, I thought, again, the momentum would carry Dark Order through this one. Yeah. Um, and it feels strange that it didn't. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking in the back. Maybe they were just thinking, "We need Matt Cardona to win this." Um, but. To me, it wouldn't have done anything if the Nightmare family and yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. I'll be honest with you. I, I understand what you mean. This for me was the one of the weakest matches um, because it was just a dynamite style match. Like some of the things that we saw in All Out, like the cinematic match, this match, the Casino Barrel, even though I enjoyed them all. They were very Dynamite-esque matches. You could even say the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express matches, very Dynamite-esque. It was only the championship matches that I thought were more prestigious, that were worthy of pay-per-view. So it was a nice, good little story for the end, having Dustin, uh, well, really, Brody cleaning Dustin out with an absolute lethal, brutal-looking discus clothesline. Well, Lariat, they call it, don't they? And yeah. then him tagging <laughs> good old, um, oh, I was going to call it Colt Cabana, which uh, if you haven't already, Gary, go and watch the D&D videos on Brandon Cutler's YouTube channel because he's called Orc Haffleton. And I can't get that name out of my mind every time I see Colt now. Uh, please go watch them. They're about two hours long. There's only two parts on there. They're really entertaining. Everybody else as well, please. They're just good stuff. Even if you don't know the rules, enjoy it. But he came in. He um, basically was going to do a top rope um, splash at that moment in time. He missed it and gets rolled up by Dustin. So the storyline in itself is spot on. And I like how it's leading on to a Dustin versus Brody Lee title match on Dynamite. That's much appreciated because that we said that, Gary, collectively. That would be a nice match to see after the Cody stuff. Um, but the chaos of it all, it just felt too dynamite and I did enjoy it. I think they could have incorporated Scorpio Sky and much, much more. He just had a short showdown with Brody Lee and then Garner J involved. Um, Brody Lee, not Brody Lee, Brandy Rhodes and Ali didn't have much to do with Anna J, which I thought they should have done as well. But all in all, okay match. Good outcome because it was surprising and we're going to enjoy the TNT title match really. Yeah, I just feel like and this is going to sound terrible, right? But if I'm paying for an event, I don't want to watch a Dynamite match. Yeah. And that's that's the be-all, end-all. Just take the match off. Put that on Dynamite on Thursday. I'm not going to care about it, missing it. You know, just 
swap around the matches. Give give me the natural versus Brody Lee on the pay per view for that title. I know it's not on TNT, but even so, give me that. I would much rather see it that way around. Mm. Um, I, I don't know why the scheduling went the way it did or if the storyline went the way it did, but it seemed like it was a little bit out of place on the pay-per-view card. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's totally agree. Uh, and then the end of the match. You know, and then, then you've got the commentary as well, which... Yeah, is stuck in the 1990s. Um, and I'm not going into detail about it, but we all know the comments that were made. And yeah, can we please get Jim Ross <laughs> a, a, a little bit of a, a social distance away from that table now, please? <laughs> he just needs reining in massively because he even like, tried, keyword, tried to apologize for the comments he made on Anna Jay um, just out of context this is not exactly what he mentioned but he was something down the lines of was there a wardrobe malfunction on Anna Jay or is that my hopes something like that um extremely unacceptable obviously uh tried to make in a joke a very bad tasting joke but you need to look at it this way because they didn't put over the women I didn't think the match before this in the match, this, they missed a lot of things out as well. And even in a tag team match, when we'll mention it, when Kenny Omega didn't hold up Adam Page at one point, like they just let that slide massively. Just forgot about it, didn't yeah, they? And it was like, that is a bigger component to the story than most of the match was prior to it. Yeah. And it was just weak, very, very weak. So having, we, we've praised it many, many times, let's be honest, okay? Taz. Okay, having Taz and Excalibur, they go off each other. Um, I forgot her name because we haven't seen her that many. Is it Vida Scott? Vida Scott. Yep, having her in every now and again, that'll be a nice little change because I enjoy yep. listening to her and she's very good. And having Tony just to be that guy that needs to say the important stuff. Like when you're on Dynamite, you always have got one person going into breaks, don't you? Like yep. chirping up when a break's about to come. Having Tony being that guy and then Taz, Vida or Excalibur, them three collectively talking about the matches, that's much appreciated because you still got Taz as the heat. Vida is the go-between, oh, she's trying to look up to Taz, but trying to rub elbows with uh, Excalibur, and Excalibur being the spot, no knowledge is what we know, but I do agree. Um, going back to the match quickly, um, Cole Cabana is getting stressed out by Brody Lee, saying, I'll set you up, set you up, set you up, getting screamed at, and then Evil Uno, despite his name, helps Colt go back to uh, the end. So we all know that Colt Cabana and BT down the line is going to get papers thrown at him. Yay! <laughs> and with that yay, we go into the tag team championship match with Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus FTR. And I have got nearly a full page of notes for this match, Gary, but we knew what the outcome was going to be. We just didn't know exactly how the angle we're going to get there. Did you enjoy this match? Very much so. And did you enjoy it as I much know. as you wanted it to be? Uh, probably not. But at the same point, it, the humidity of the place kind of put paid to enjoying it as much as I could have done if they were, say, in an arena. But obviously, 2020s put paid to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know how you would, Ercon. In a stadium like that, 
but maybe something could be worked out, you know, where you're not blowing fans into them or anything like that, because that's also dangerous, helping things travel and stuff. Anyway, yeah, um, but anything to keep them sort of cool. I- I'm actually kind of intrigued as to how they're going to deal with with it if they're still in that situation in like December and January time. Yeah, for full but, year. Yeah, we don't really need to worry about that just yet. <laughs> but that's going to switch at some point, isn't it? It's got to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with the match itself, there's a lot to go through, so I'll pin a few things yeah. out. An extremely fast beginning. Um, a lot of very, very hard hitting is what we really, really like. Omega doing a lot of really, really trademark um, offensive moves, really. Gets the hot tag in um, with Hangman. There was like a massive missile drop kick on Cash at one point, And he hit a German uh, from the top rope onto the middle, which looked really, really good. It was like a flippy German thing. It was really nice. Um, there was really good tag team moves on both. Um, really a lot of back and forth. FTR were doing, as the match continued, increasing with their good old heel slick tag team type of tactics, you know, when a uh, referee's not looking, trying to use uh, distractions to get an advantage, that sort of stuff. They ensured that every time they got tagged in as well, if you looked, they had the tag ropes, except for one time where the referee had his back flip, and I, I popped to this secretly, but he just clapped his hands in the middle of the ring and then cash around and uh, hit Hangman off um, the side. I just really appreciate that because that's where the rule breaking happens. Tully didn't get involved as much. He was just there and about, but he needed to make sure he was there, which was fine. I'm happy with that. Um, then the Bog standard moves come out, looked really tired. They were pinning Omega really in between each other. They were trying to isolate him a hell of a lot. And there was an accidental V trigger on Page at one point. And this is where it spirals for Omega and Page. Um, obviously, Omega tries to pull Page um, from the ring. Uh, Harwood drags Page into the corner. Um, so it's like absolutely meeting him up. There's a mind breaker, I think, for the counter two at this point. And then this is where Omega gets his knee tweaked and FDR just constantly targeting that for the rest of the match, really. And at the very, very end, the flip where Omega's that injured, he's outside the ring. Page gets, I forgot what FDR is. Um, is it mind breaker they finish? Am I right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. They, they get Page on a mind breaker. He kicks out and then Omega drags Page at one point, and then they hit a final mind breaker with Omega trying to come back in, and Dax full-on running headbutts. Uh, Omega out, one, two, three. New tag team champions, as I was expected. They leave the arena after having a bit of a celebration with um, some beers leaving two in the ring for Omega and Hangman. We had the cleaner aspect of it. Omega was about to, about to hit page with a folding table but in the end he just walks away and he meets the young bucks at one point backstage saying he's done he's done leaving the arena goes to his car asking the young bucks to join him in the car when wrestling especially tag team wrestling is booked extremely well and it's orchestrated extremely well tag teams don't draw money brother (laughs) <laughs> it may have fell short on some expectations slightly 
but you are expecting one of the the best tag team match, I should say, in Revolution to this. It was going to fall short a little bit, but oh, it was fantastic, Gary. Yeah, it was. It was unparalleled. Um, yeah, absolutely loved everything about it. Again, maybe because of the heat, it might have went five minutes long, but yeah. apart from that, there's nothing you can really say about it. Kenny Omega's always going to put in a performance and a half. Adam Page is slowly getting to that sort of standard where you know that he's going to be able to put on them in the future. FTR, capable of five-star tag team match pretty much any time they go out. I'm happy. That's, I'll be honest, this is the match that I paid to see. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Like, the the World Championship match is a bonus, but this was the one that I was looking forward to the most. Um, yeah, and it delivered the, the aftermath. Um, we need a fresh clean. Oh, sweep it. Sweep it clean. Sweep it clean, Kemi. <laughs> sweep it clean. Get it done. I keep saying it. I keep saying it. I need him to be the one that turns. And this is how In all I fairness, see it. the end of that match played into it as well. It did. It did. Um... Right? Because technically, Kenny was the one that cost them, not Adam. Kenny was the one that made the, the mistake. Mm. He didn't make the save, right? Adam might have been the one that had the three count against him, but that, right, was entirely because Kenny had hit him. Yeah. Right? And Kenny then going after afterwards like it was all Adam Page's fault for being a drunk. Yeah. Like, that is proper heel work. I'm sorry, but it is... Like, if a baby face is about to turn, this is exactly how it does, how it happens. Organically how it happens, I do agree. Yeah. Um, how like, I think it's going to happen now for you, Gary. So this is just a bit of fantasy booking going into our side. These two are going to go at it for full gear. They're going to develop their storyline now for ready for their singles match. Um, there's going to be no stipulation involved, I don't believe, at full gear. But they're not going to have a finish at full gear because really, really, ideally, you need these two to keep their wins up now. And you can't have them to have a finish against each other. And I know I mentioned disqualification finishes and it's my WWE conditioned mind many, many times, but it needs to happen for these two because Kenny needs to trigger, not the trigger, but trigger in the match and then full-on destroy Adam Page with some sort of weapon and whatnot. So Adam Page is away for the picture for a month and a bit. A bit like what Cody is because he's been murdered. And then Kenny can go into the title picture against Mox, win the title. And then when it's ready for Hangman Page to get the title, he can get it off Omega in the end. Because you can build this feud now for a good year and a half again, going into 2021. Yeah, it's, it, to me, it's got main event of All Out next year screamed at me. There's 12 months worth of of build there that's just set. It is. Um, I'm just going to throw, throw in something at you now, Gary. Again, this is top of my head thoughts. Full gear next year. The only reason I'm saying that is because if you look at the meatiest, like, against two heavyweight feuds, 
it's always been at full gear now if we're booking it this way because you've got Moxie versus um, Omega, that lights out match, weren't it? That was all meaty, two heavyweights. If you're looking at heavyweights this year, we're going to say Kenny and Adam. And if they have their rematch at full gear again next year because of the title, ooh, juicy stuff. Yeah, I just think that All Out is essentially yes. the, the best time WrestleMania, isn't it? So if it's the WrestleMania, then that's where it's going to be. That's your blow-off match. That's the first match of the feud or the last match of the feud or what have you. Well, it, to me, you make this run. Yeah. You just keep putting people and obstacles in Adam Page's way now. You just We've already seen him. He's hitting rock bottom pretty shortly and his climb back up is going to be eventually he needs to get back at Kenny Omega. Because yeah. I think it's Kenny that's manipulated everything in the background anyway. And I've went into this before. I genuinely think it's all Kenny. <laughs> yep. And I'll leave it there because, wow, we could talk about this for a good two hours. Just that storyline. Just this. That, yeah, because yeah. it's just phenomenal. So we're going to the Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy Mimosa Mayhem match. The only thing I want to mention before this to Gary, because he may have not known, what I imagined this match to be like, Gary, is like the uh, Ring of Fire match where Kane and is it Bray Wyatt or somebody else as well, where they had fire all around the edge of the ring. So okay, imagine I now. Know, I know what you're on about. Yeah, yeah imagine now um, you're in a Hell in a Cell, okay? Imagine the mm-hmm. distance between the cage and the ring of the Hell in a Cell. That so the, you've got like a, a malt of mimosa. Precisely. All in like a perspex um, like box around the ring. I imagine that instead of the two circles, but that was like nearly impossible, my image. But the way they set this match up with one on one and the other, I thought was actually really well like, like look, to be honest. The visual was spot on for the match. Um, it was a bit of box standard Chris Jericho and Ori Cassidy match with something ridiculous. She did the teeting around the halls um, spots as well. A lot of decent moves, a lot of gimmicks there. And then there were one part as well, if you look, Aubrey's uh, like clearing a few things out of the ring because they smashed like buckets and ice around their head. And there was a part where a cup was like the bottom like came off and she secretly just went up to her and like put the bottom back on. And I was thinking, Oh, one of these is going to use that cup and like drink or throw something to like the other person's eyes now. Um, so I found that hilarious. So I like, called that because of what the referee did. Um, really put over Orange's finisher called the Orange Punch. Uh, Jericho right at the very end was on the top row. One Orange Punch teetered him off a little bit. Second Orange Punch, he fell back in. And let's mirror this back when Chris Jericho started having this mini feud, when the words in his mind started speaking about when he did it, it's when he cut his promo on Matt Hardy when he was in his um, hot tub. And if you look at him now, he's lost this match in a similar aspect as well. Just disappointed him wear white, to be honest, Gary. Yeah, it would have been so orange at the end of this. <laughs> Just so orange. But I'll be honest with you, I did love the um, the refereeing moments where they're like, no, doesn't count, not submerged, that's clearly part of the rules, right? So the fact that Chris Jericho, when he fell back into that mimosa, actually had to like go Dive under, yeah. 
yeah, he had to take it seriously and do it properly. I appreciated that because you see so many of these sort of matches where they finish on like stupid things like, oh no, your foot went in there. Yeah, no, we're thinking a big yeah, show again, no. tables match. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's great. Again, it's, it's the worst thing ever when that sort of stuff happens in these gimmicks. Yeah. Like, I know it's a brand new match, but you could imagine that immediately dying. Whereas now I'm thinking, we need a toy set. <laughs> two little bottles of mimosa with it just so that you can fill the little toy set at the sides. <laughs> you know, like, do it properly. That's toy totally... set only available to those over the age of 18 slash 21, depending on where you're at. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed this match. It was just that good comedy aspect you needed. It's ex- exactly what I expected and exactly what the winner expected. Um, I did see online a fair few people didn't enjoy this. So my thoughts are, I understand why you didn't, because you need to be in the right frame of mind to enjoy these type of matches. And because of what happened earlier with the lack of buzz throughout the stadium due to the Matt Hardy incident, um, a lot of people wouldn't have been in the mood to watch this, and a lot of people wouldn't have been in the mood to see like Orange and A comedy style of match as well. And because a lot of people were grinding on AEW, a lot of WWE shills were grinding on AEW because of the Matt Hardy situation, saying this is the worst pay-per-view ever. They were hating on Orange as well because they're not his style of wrestler. But he's got over. When a wrestler goes over, who cares? Sorry, but they're one of the best. Um, that's it, really. Is there anything on top of this, Gary? Because not much you've really had to this because we've mentioned it many, many times because it's just a rubber, rubber match for these two. Yeah, you say it's just a rubber match, but think about how far it's come in the last year from Le Champion, right, to losing twice in a row to Orange Cassidy. Yeah, and at least as well, he didn't get pinned or submitted, and he's still a bit defended after this match as well. And again, think about it, right? Without COVID, he'd be on tour with Fozzie right now, so none of this would have happened. He wouldn't have put oh, yeah. Yeah. Orange Cassidy over. So literally, he's took someone that has had no plans for them, made them into a main eventer, just like he said, right? Now, his plan was to break that. I get that. But he's made a main eventer out of this. Yeah. From someone that shouldn't have been on TV for the last three months. Probably would have been on Dark and lucky to be there. Yeah, proved the point, Ali. Yeah, he absolutely has. He's the star of the show. Um, biggest name they've got by a by a long shot, and he is one of the greatest of all time. He is, and I can't wait for all the stuff he's going to do because I know he does it at the moment. But when he's actually retired, retired, and having like the semi On commentary, yeah, commentary, all the stuff he does backstage, you can tell he hell works a hell of a lot, and he he believes in this company as much as everybody else does. And talking about people that believe in this company, MGF, because he believes in himself, and himself is the company. Uh, this was the John Moxley versus MJF match. And Gary, 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 I'll, I'll let you go into the meat of this. But I wanted this to over-deliver because I didn't expect it to be much. And Jesus, MJF over-delivered to me. And Moxley did great just as much. Oh, good finish to the show, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. That the fact that Moxley had promised that he would make MJF bleed. And he did within like five minutes. <laughs> we were like... Wow, he's bleeding already. This is quick. Um, genuinely, I saw that this could go to, like three different ways, which helps me because um, yeah. 
if I don't know exactly what's going to happen, I, like I've said before, I enjoy it more. You know, because there was an argument that MJF won this. And in a dream world, I probably would have done that. But Moxley winning, yeah, all right. No bad without that. This feud's definitely put Moxley where he should be in my mind. Good. Um, rather than boring, <laughs> um, which I still think he is. Um, I'm going to be honest, I do. Two-dimensional, very two-dimensional. Yeah, but at least he's got this part of his character now where he'll rebel a little bit, and I can see that, as opposed to he'll say he'll rebel, but he won't. <laughs> like, I do like the fact that he's doing the Stone Cold thing, but please don't just do the Stone Cold thing. You're on man, Moxley. <laughs> and this match, he started sort of doing his own way of sort of adapting that Stone Coldish gimmick. Um, yeah, I just really, really, really enjoyed this. Um, for a Moxley match, you know what you're going to get. Um, and I did like the fact that whenever it was in the ring, it seemed to be MJF controlling it. And outside <laughs> of the ring, it was always Moxley, like within seconds. <laughs> That, that's that's one of the story sides of it that I really thought they put well over. Like one of the good things the commentary did, one of the good things the two wrestlers did really, really well. Like instantly when they were in the ring, uh, MJF were going after the arm, weren't he, half the time? Yeah. Um, trying to get the referee to have it his way. And in the moment they got outside the ring, Wardlow wasn't assisting him as much as MJF was thinking. And Moxie pounded exactly where he needed to. It was extremely well thought out extremely over delivered in the match i personally think this was match of the night for me for me it was um i liked how it ended and it really really puts in your mind now going up to the next title picture the lance archer where moxie still needs to work for it either or can win depends on when it is really but because lance archer won the only downside about this match was I was just thinking MGF's not going to get this now, is he? Um, but the finish, let me just go through the finish. Uh, MGF uh, get well, Wardlow jumps the ring, jumps on the side of the apron, distracts the ref. He does that secret throw to uh, MGF with it, misses. It hit Moxley's like, kneecap and falls in front of him. They were very fortunate where that ring like, landed, I'll be deadly honest. Um, and then MGF was skirting around looking for the ring. He picks it up. And when he looks his head up, who's he see first? Moxley. He say, no, 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 paradigm shift for the win. One, two, three. Spot on, I thought. And the paradigm shift looked really funny and good as well because MGF like flipped his neck over. So it looked even a little bit more brutal than normal. Um, spot on. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to take your first singles loss, it's definitely the way to do it. So a band move that you can completely weasel your way around. Um, yeah, it's MJF's just going to cut a promo soon and it's going to be brutal and I'm going to lap it up like it's chocolate milk <laughs> Kenny Omega reference again absolutely <laughs> just because I have to take I have to take the show back to Kenny Omega because that performance at the end of that match was just perfect um, my favourite thing on the pay-per-view was definitely that angle after the tag team match. Yeah. Favourite match would be the women's match, right? But I do give an honourable 
mention to the main event. I really do, because I'm very much a person that judges things on expectation versus reality. And my expectation for the women's match was, okay, it'll be solid enough. But they told a really good story. And I got into the story and, yeah. It's the way it worked for me. Very happy with that, Gary, though. I'm very happy that Moxie's changed slightly in your mind from this match. And the only thing I want to put over again is Moxie's amazing, just just as he should be. I, I like him much more than Gary does in this title written. However, MJF is, what, five years into his wrestling career? And he did this match without looking pressured at all. Just spot on to both of them. Very good talent. And yes, the women's match was extremely good. That would have been second place on my list, Gary. But is there anything else extra you want on this paper you want to speak about whilst we're here? Uh, yeah, just one confusing moment. Why didn't the Young Bucks go with Kenny? <laughs> we'll talk about that when we do the um, Dynamite review then, I guess. <laughs> well, that's something for everyone to look forward to either tomorrow or on Wednesday, then, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. But uh, and there's your hook, guys. Tune in then. <laughs> but um, thank you all for listening. Uh, I know it's been a tough week by listening to me by myself. So, welcome back to Gary. If you haven't done all so already, please follow us on Jed and Gary WP at Twitter. Uh, where can they follow you individually, Gary? It's GeForce for life with a four and a Y, just because for life. Fantastic. And if you haven't heard already, our YouTube channel will be revived very shortly, just with a new new tagline, a new link. So please re-subscribe to that if you haven't already. And if you haven't subscribed in general, please do afterwards. So enjoy your evenings. We'll speak to you very soon. And at least it wasn't as bad as what people say. We're just two fans. We still enjoyed ourselves. I'm just be glad Matt's all right. Goodbye.